homecoming uh, disaster, uh, depending, of course, on which side of the ledger you are sitting on. And it was the Queen's Golden Gales. And let's make sure we're saying that the Golden Gales, because they were sure looking golden in this performance. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Me and Nate are on the mics to break down the Week 5 slate of action. Uh, Nate, you were at the Red Blue Bowl Argo Cup Battle of Toronto. And, uh, you know, it uh, it probably netted out as some people thought. We'll get into that one uh, in a bit. But this is now, what, three, four, or I guess three uh, U of T games of RSD for you? Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I'm one away from being a season ticket holder, Zach. Apparently, so uh, we'll we'll see if I make it to that last one. I think it's Western. So you know what? Maybe I don't know if I want to be around for that one. Let's say, but uh, nonetheless, you know, it's a it's been a joy going down to varsity. And you know, something that people don't know is I've been going down to the Blues game since like 2012. You know, my brother was playing there when I was still in high school. So. Uh, you know, I've been around around that facility for the better part of a uh, you know almost a decade. So, well, you know, it's a, it's a Friday night Thanksgiving matchup. Uh, you know, I, I'd say perhaps though, uh, our our good friend uh, Dakota Vine might say something about you attending a OUA football game in Toronto on Friday night at seven. That's not York uh, hosting Windsor, but uh, obviously we'll get to that bridge. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, you know, we're going to do our usual thing, talk about the uh, you know, recognize a few standout players. And, you know, in our in our doing so, um, you know, just before you freak out on some of the players we talk about or not talk about or some of the teams that we don't necessarily recognize in talking about individual players. You know, there was some pretty stellar performances this weekend. You know who I'm talking about. You know who you are, Queens Western. We're going to try and maybe just. Highlight a few other individuals in that section there. Uh, then we'll run through the games, and uh, then you know, Nate's uh, proposed also kind of doing a sort of midseason look ahead where the teams are right now, and sort of projecting a bit of of where where the league or where the season might shake out when it's all said and done. But we'll start where we normally do and hand out a little hardware. Offensive player of the week, uh, Nate, per usual, I, I hand you first uh, First go at this one. Who would you like? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's good to go off with a hot start uh, going to the game of the weekend, which was undoubtedly, undoubtedly the, the Laurier homecoming game where they welcomed, you know, the, uh, the red-hot Ottawa Gigi's in the town and – you know, I'm going with J.P. Simakenda. Um, you know, just did a really great job, um, you know, carrying that offense. You know, Ben Merkel had a good game as well, but really is kind of the driving force there for that team, leading them in both rushing and receiving yards on the day, uh, one receiving touchdown. And let's not forget sort of the clutchest of plays was sort of that, you know, 15, 20-yard run that set up the game-winning 55-yard field goal, seemingly out of nothing. Um, so – had to mention that clutch performance you know obviously you know i'll leave i'll leave the other pick up to you but many other candidates but i you know you got to figure in sort of what was the game of the weekend and something that will dramatically impact the standings going forward um had to mention that one really clutch performance by jp sorry my my audio cut out for a second where did he hit the field goal from at the he was standing like right on the 55 right at the 55 (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness, you can't write this stuff. Um, yeah, you know, great performance by JP. Bit of a slow start for for Ottawa, and they were able to you know pick it up on the back of, of JP. We'll get into that game briefly. Definitely the game of the week. And you're all waiting for me now to mention Anthony Soul's name or mention anyone from Western. But like I said, let's try and spice it up a little bit. I'm going to go with the guy who uh, you know, made a pretty big statement at the game you were attending in Luka Stoikos, uh, rushing the ball for the UFT Blues. 124 yards on 15 attempts, three touchdowns. Now, Stoikos, we've obviously seen him um, you know, have a, uh, a prominent effect for the Blues over the last couple of years as a returner. Adam Williams, you, as you were mentioning, we were just talking beforehand, goes down. You know, and hopefully it's nothing too serious. I, I didn't catch uh, necessarily what that was. We can talk about that when we get to that game. But you know, in, in a game that UFT obviously was expected to win, kind of similarly as we briefly mentioned there with the the Laurier Ottawa game, slow start in terms of the team that. Well, I shouldn't say we were all picking because you went with the Golden Hawks and golly was I fretting that Nate was going to be the only one to pick that one right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but most people thinking the Blues are going to get this one and uh, it was with the performance of Stoikos that they secured that. So shout out to you, Lucas Stoikos, uh, defensive player of the week. Who are you liking? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, I just there's one that really stood out to me and I, I am going to go with a bit of a homer pick in my Queensgales because just skimming through the game and sort of, you know, I'm always curious as to what sort of the Guelph offense is up to and, you know, what this American quarterback's doing. Um, but really it was someone on the other side of the ball that really stood out for me. And that's Silas Hubert uh, on the Queens defense. I just saw that number 99, in the Guelph backfield over and over and over again, um, four TFLs and three sacks on the day, uh, really outstanding performance and sort of poo-pooing uh, the Guelph homecoming, uh, party a crowd and whatnot it really was a dominant performance for for the queen's defense yeah uh i mean what didn't work for queens in that game i mean we'll talk about obviously the unfortunate some of the unfortunate injuries and what we may speculate can come will, will come from those and how that might affect it but i mean all cylinders that team was just absolutely clicking i'm gonna go over to the game that um you know surprised me the most but of course playing the hindsight game all game long I'm like oh why I shouldn't have thought this was going to be a surprise or or I shouldn't have thought the outcome was going to be um what it was or should have seen it coming and that was of course the uh what, what Carlton did at home to the Windsor uh Lancers and uh and in that endeavor shouting out uh Othman Brom with the uh, the interception of 50 yards to, uh, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, Carlton in some of their wins, some of which have been some pretty big scores. They do kind of hit on multiple facets. I think we talked about that doesn't necessarily instill confidence always that we'd like to think that, you know, your offense is in theory what's supposed to be scoring and driving the points for you. But maybe this just really is the the identity of the Ravens that they just are able to score on all facets of the game. And so Brom, obviously, with the big play on defense, um, really setting the tone. And, you know, me and Tom talked about, you know, the impact of Windsor having to go that long distance when you kind of get behind the eight ball all like early in the game. 
you know, you're on that bus all day or however, whenever they traveled and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's always tough to come back behind in a hostile territory when you're doing an eight hour trip. So shout out to shout out to the Ravens. You know, I, I've definitely been critical of them. And, you know, despite my uh, my criticism that I don't think is uh, unbased or at least entirely unbased, you know, they're sitting at three and two fourth in the league right now. So, uh, you know, keep doing your thing, Ravens. Um Specials, I'll hand it over to you just in the spirit of our little back and forth endeavor, though I, I know as we talked about, we're in lockstep on this. I mean, you already brought it up, but, uh, you know, me- mention is mention the name again, mention the the circumstances uh, by for which we are uh, lauding this individual. Yeah. Kinks, a guy uh, was on was on sort of uh, the varsity team there when I, I had my one season coaching and, you know, really, I mean, you want to talk about elite legs in the OUA. I mean, this guy's got one consistently, even aside from, from this, this game in particular, but you know, a 55 yard field goal in the clutch from Campbell fair in the Ottawa game. Um, You know, the clutch factor, we saw the video going around of him sort of getting picked up and tossed around the locker room after the game Uh, really sort of an elite kick. And I, I don't know how many other, um, you know, kickers would get sort of that benefit of the doubt in that scenario to even attempt a 55 yard at the end of the game. Cause obviously there's always the potential for, you know, the old Auburn Alabama scenario, getting that return for six. So, I mean, shout out to, to, you know, coach Marcel for having, you know, the confidence in Campbell to go out and give that a try. And obviously, you know, Campbell knocked the lights out of that thing. And, you know, it's a well-deserved victory at Laurier homecoming, which is by no means an easy, easy accomplishment. So, I feel like each week we kind of see this Ottawa team instill more and more confidence and, and become more and more mature. So really fascinating to see kind of where where they'll end up when things are all said and done. And, and that's a perfect segue into the first game that we will talk about because it's the first one on the schedule, not in chronological order, but just because that's where it's listed. And it is, as Nate said, the Ottawa GGs rolling in to Kitchener-Waterloo to pick up the W on Laurie's homecoming final score in this game. The GGs 21, the Golden Hawks 18. Now, you mentioned, and I think you're, you're right in, in saying, in, in mentioning that you know, each week we're kind of seeing more things from this GG team that can instill confidence. And we've definitely seen some things from Laurier. In um in some of their outings this season that have shown that they're a young team and, and kind of in that up and coming you know uh, area with you know UFT maybe you know they might be a step or two ahead of where UFT is right now or, you know kind of maybe Windsor but um, who knows maybe we'll get to Windsor later but just one of those younger teams that's shown promise they're probably not going to contend for anything of note this year but you know shown some stuff. And you're right in acknowledging that you know how the, how the GGs ended that game, and, and of course there was the 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 the, the, the terrible uh, injury that happened in the the early third quarter where they had to get the ambulance onto the field to to take off the uh, the GG player who got hurt. And I, and I know his, the player's name did go up. I don't have it in front of me. My apologies. Um, ho- hoping that uh, that individual's okay. Um, I, I, I'm curious how much. Um, I mean, there's one thing people know about Laurier Homecomings. Um, not necessarily the football itself, but you know, as far as the culture of homecoming in 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 KW, it's it's pretty wild. So I almost wonder if it was difficult for that ambulance to to get there. But for all those things, there was part of me in this game. I mean, this was a game at the end of one quarter, four to one for Laurier, almost four four. Shout out to the Golden Hawks for blocking a field goal attempt by Campbell Fair there. Um, and we go into the half, uh, eleven to one. 
Now, I, I know you were at U of T and not able to sort of follow this one live aside from just some updates. But when all that was going on, because I, I still think you're right, that when it was all said and done, you know, on the road, on another team's homecoming, uh, and especially a place like Laurier, at the end of the day, hitting that field goal, what they were able to accomplish, it's 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 a it's another notch in in, in the sort of the achievement belt for G, the GGs. But, you know, because I was certain, certainly watching that first half being like, Oh my gosh! Is my whole world's crumbling around me? I have so I have all this Ottawa GG stock right now, and I'm just seeing the value plummet before my eyes. Was that giving you concern at all um, from what you were seeing in the first half? Well, I mean, like for me, this game was always like sort of, uh, you know, in my own personal ranking, sort of, you know, the battle for for let's say midseason third place or, or something like that, you know, because I think it really it's you know Western Queens and then. Behind them, it was for me. It's really been sort of Ottawa and this Laurier team that's kind of impressed the most. Um, and yeah, I was like a bit surprised. Let's say, I mean, sort of, you know, four to one. Okay, I mean, let you know, safe to say, I had the under in this one, Zach, already going in, so I knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be high scoring. Um, but sort of that eleven to one scoreline at the half was kind of surprising for me. Um, kind of seeing, you know, the Laurier defense really kind of handle their business and. To be fair, I think it was really the Ottawa defense that ended up getting the offense going, uh, securing that pick um, in the second half that really set them up for one of their, you know, (laughs) one of their first scores there to get the ball rolling for them. And, you know, really, obviously, we're able to carry that momentum deep into the game. And what really, like, suggests that both these teams are serious, for me, is kind of this back and forth in terms of late scores. Um, You know, two teams that were able to get it done under, what was it, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, Gigi's going down and scoring to make it 18-11. Laurier coming back and answering to tie the game. And then, you know, on sort of a, a nothing kind of run play, you know, that you thought maybe Ottawa's kind of trying to run the ball out. And it's like, oh, well, if we get close, then okay. It ends up being a 20-yard play to set up the field goal. And, um, you know, maybe you say the Laurier defense, well, in the end, not that mature. But I think um, really an extra game from from sort of two teams who – are sort of climbing the leaderboard. And, uh, you know, I this definitely could have gone either way. Um, but I think, you know, Ottawa's got to be feeling flying real high going in the Panda uh, coming off this one. Yeah. You, you know, I, I obviously can't speak for whatever the, the Gigi's players were feeling in in that first half um and or what the sort of team uh, you know thought process was cuz it, it kind of to me yeah lori lori has shown a lot of, of good things i i think you're you've been a bit more bullish on them and i think that thought um has been you know bearing out as we're seeing more and more things from this golden hawk team i'm kind of watching that first half being like okay like that's okay. All right, it's a tight game. Yeah, it's Laurie's home. They're coming out with a little excitement. So yeah, the defense is super jacked up. They're they're kind of shutting down the run game a little bit. But you know what? Sure, maybe they'll shut you know hold JP for the first half a little bit. But he's gonna get going, and, and it kind of did bear out that way. You know, second half uh, is is really where JP started just like rumbling and tumbling for those big yards. But then there was part of me that just as you know we're getting to the second quarter, and then that kind of early in the third, I'm still like, oh dang, like. Maybe this isn't just a case of 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 big brother just kind of messing with little brother and, and kind of letting it stay close. You know, the hand on the forehead, like you can't hit me, you can't hit me, but it's still getting pretty close. And maybe Laurier is kind of in, you know, in that, uh, as you said, maybe in that, uh, I guess, you know, if, if we say it's it's a clear one, two in that kind of three, a three B, you know, the, the, tier, te- if you will. the teams that will have a, a home playoff game, let's say, right. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to describe it. And, you know, honestly, and you mentioned uh, that sort of last five minutes uh, being so impressive for both these teams and, and you're bang on in that. To me, the 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 drive that led to the Tanner Nelms touchdown in the first half was, I thought, you know, one of the most spectacular things offensively we've seen from from Laurie. I, I won't, I'm not going to try and pull up the drive chart just yet, though. Perhaps I should have done that and knowing I wanted to talk about it. But you know, there was three big plays in that in that drive. Ultimately, they fed it to Quentin Scott, where he had this remarkable. It looked like an outside zone to his left, reverses field, you know, it picks up something like, you know, in the 15 to 20 yard range, probably runs something like 35 to 40 yards to get it. Uh, Elgersma hits, I want to say it was maybe Jordan down the sideline for a big game. And then it sets up the screen to Nelms, who does the rest and takes it in. And it was just, it was, you know, and and for all the things we talk about, this GG team, it, it, you know, they're doing that against one of the best defenses in the league. And I was like, wow, that was really cool that you were able to hit him on the ground, hit him in the air, and then hit him with, you know, screen pass, kind of that like middle zone, so to speak, of, of the, you know, the, the, the pass and the run. So, you know, a, a game where I, I think both, you know, you're both of these teams, you have to be walking out being like, you know, hey, were there things that we didn't like? Sure. And obviously, if you're Ottawa, you're that much happier knowing you came away with the dub as well, obviously. But I think even for Laurie, you're leaving this team, a top 10 ranked team nationally in the GGs and being like, well, we get, we gave them a fight. Absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, to quote Tim McAuliffe, no one really lost. They just ran out of time. Uh, any last thoughts on this one, Nate? Yeah, Larry be kicking himself, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I mean, it's still early enough and, you know, we'll get to it later, but I like where they're at in terms of their remaining schedule. So, you know, I think, I think they'll end up being all right. Yeah, and, and we will kind of uh, fl- do that exercise, flesh out the the schedule a bit more thoroughly. But just quickly, Ottawa returning home to uh, for the Panda game uh, next week, and then Laurier hitting the road for a night game affair at Windsor. Both those games very interesting in my books. But let's uh, let's put that one to bed for right now, and uh, let's move over to another homecoming game um, that wasn't so pretty. In fact, I guess the two remaining homecoming games. Actually, I don't know. Was was Carlton's a homecoming? They were talking about some kind of throwback game, but I don't know if that was homecoming. Anyway, well, it was Western Foco, Zach. So I don't know, you know, if you want to count that or not. But hey, it's still still two more in my books. You know, as as a member of student council here at Western, I should probably know those distinctions <laughs> a bit better. But let's uh, put that one aside because we're going to the other homecoming uh, disaster, uh, depending, of course, on which side of the ledger you are sitting on. And it was the Queen's Golden Gales. And let's make sure we're saying that, the Golden Gales, because they were sure looking golden in this performance, putting a smackdown on Guelph, uh, at Guelph on their homecoming, 62-11. to 11. Uh, Nate, spiritually, was this somehow revenge for the 66 nothing? <laughs> Lost in 2014 was this? I'd be, I'd be lying if you know that seeing seeing where it was at the end of the third quarter, and being a 38 to three ball game, and Queens getting 24 points in the fourth quarter to make it a 60 piece. <laughs> it makes me wonder, you know, if there's any kind of motivation there. You know, I can't say for sure, but uh, you know. Funny Nate enough, was, having having the Sheens on the other sideline, um, yeah. representing Guelph, kind of makes it a really kind of funky situation. But uh, 
you know, I I don't know if I would say that was mentioned in the locker room before or what, or if that was in the back of someone's mind. But uh, I'll tell you what, I remember that one at least. You know, Nate, Nate was doing his best Ace Ventura impression. I have exercised the demons. But uh, yeah, uh, Guelph certainly seems like they have a few demons to deal with in this one. Um, you know, off the jump, you know, there's so many ways we can we can look at this game. Um, I'd say off the jump, most important to note if uh, if you weren't following this game, following the tweets, it, you know, if you if you rely on us for your updates and uh, you know appreciate it if 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 that is what you do. Um, Mid third quarter, um, number seven, James Keenan. Uh, starting quarterback for the uh, Queens Golden Gales. Maybe you've heard of him. Leaves the game. Uh, has to get sort of helped off by some teammates. You know, doesn't look terrible. You can kind of put some pressure on what looks like a lower body injury. And then in not too long afterwards, he returns to the sideline with his leg fully casted up and crutches. It, you know, it, we, we talked about just a moment ago how with that Ottawa Laurier game, how Laurier, you know, despite the loss, there's a lot of positives they can take away from that. Both those teams can, you know, obviously Ottawa getting the win, but good things on both sides. And obviously we're mentioning and having a bit of a laugh at the idea of the sort of, you know, was there a little bit extra sauce on that 62 burger um, for Queens given, uh, you know, what happened nearly a decade ago in Guelph? Maybe. Despite all those immense positives and just the, the the consistent what we've seen all year long, even against Western, how well they run the ball, how how much of a cloud is that hanging over all those positive things for you, Nate? When when you saw that happen, I don't know if you've got any updates on on Keenan, but sort of uh, you know we we talked about Vrenik being you know next man up and being you know uh, you know the 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 heir to the throne, if you will, um, but. That's 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 a tough pill to swallow. What are you thinking? No, I think emotionally, it. I can't imagine sort of the the uh, you know what it means for 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 James. Obviously, you know when you have a senior guy like that, and and you know if you've been involved in the game, everyone knows how kind of emotional and important that senior year is to guys, um, knowing they have one last ride in them. Um, you know. All I can say is I hope like the crutches and the brace, I hope that was precautionary, but you know, it obviously does not look good. Um, and sort of, you know, having like, I don't want to necessarily say he's the unquestioned leader of the team, but he's the guy that, you know, before the game is, is, you know, yelling stuff at the players in the circle and whatnot and doing all those sorts of things. So um, as a team to really lose who you would feel, you know, and this is sort of from an outside perspective, you know, I'm not saying that, that anyone's told me that James is absolutely the guy on the team, but really, it, you know, is really your guy, your leader. Um, you know, it definitely will have an effect on a team. Um, with all that being said, I don't think that it changes the team's ceiling. Now, their percentage chances to, let's say, reach that ceiling, I think is more of the question because, you know, we all know how talented Alex Freakin is, but it's going to be a point of it's this guy's first few snaps in the league still. You know what I mean? And we don't know, you know, if he's going to acclimate quickly or how good he's going to be, how early. You know, I think this is a guy who probably, you know, in my opinion, will be the best quarterback in the league one day. Um, whether that day comes sooner rather than later, I think, is is the question here. 
Um, and having a guy like James there who is really, you know, in the prime of his career right now, didn't throw an interception until today's game. Incredibly efficient running and passing the football and sort of doing all the right things that, you know, in the Queens offense, which is super balanced, that you need to succeed. Um, and that's going to hurt missing that and sort of having a bit more of a question mark there. Um, but I do still think that Alex Vreekin is capable of, you know, generating the output necessary for Queens to make or make a deep run. Um, now, sort of the the chances and confidence I have in that, maybe it's a little bit less so than I would have with, with James, a little bit less certain, but not out of the cards for me, I don't think, Zach. What do you think? Well, I mean, that was that was a really, uh, that was a great breakdown. It's, uh, you know, so awesome getting your perspective given your history with that team um, on it. You know, the, the big thing for me until we know more about the injury in specific is just, I, I know I don't want to talk about the schedule too, too much because I know we're kind of going to do that exercise uh, at the end of breaking down all the games, but when you do look at the next couple weeks, right? They get York at home. Uh, you know, they they could just hand the ball off all game long. Like they don't need to pass the, the ball once. Like we just we know that they they can just run the whole the the whole game and, and pick up that win. Then they get the bye week the week after that. Off the bye, uh, they they're home for McMaster, and it'll be really interesting. Mac obviously having the uh, bye this week, traveling to Guelph. Um, the following week, you know, I would say still, I would think that Queens could probably pick up that W, um, you, you know, with Vrieken, um, and then they finish on the low on the road at Laurier, and maybe that's the situation, anyways, where they could just be resting, anyways, if they've secured that second second buy. So, you know, uh, and that, and, and that, of course, what, but the, you know, the big sort of uh, you know maybe the elephant in the room in this though is that they could still secure that second. That that second place without him and everything, but now this is the year where you don't get that additional buy. Like, how wild is that to think that any other year? Um, well, I guess last year was still funny. Was funny because of the whole you know COVID and the divisions, everything like that. But that in in most OUA years, you could think, you know what? I got faith in Queens with Vrenik that they can still secure that second place. Obviously, the loss to to, to Western. I mean, I, if that is the rematch we get in a Yates, like I'm so so excited for that 2.0 matchup. Um, but it's 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 especially difficult. I'll say now knowing that you know they won't have that additional bye week come the first round of the playoffs as a second seed normally will um perhaps though the week one the first round matchup will still be a team that you'd think they could beat with like, Rican, but you know, yeah. based off our projections a U of T or a mac or a la one of those kind of deals yeah a windsor yeah. perhaps a carlton perhaps <laughs> Well, we'll we'll put that we'll put that that we'll save the rest of that conversation for when we get towards the end of the pod. Um, because you know what, like I, I don't want to dampen this uh, this day for the Golden Gales just by talking about that. Um, and I think like be, it's yeah. important to mention that like we could look pretty good uh, too. Like um, you know, well, still read. Do you have the number? Like ten for fifteen, one hundred ninety-two, two touchdowns. And you know, I can say like I, you know, obviously being mm-hmm. a you know, far the program, you know, wanted to scroll through that game just to be curious to see how it, how it looked. You know, obviously the game was already, you know, kind of not necessarily out of reach, but it was already, you know, a couple scores or whatever. So I want to see if there's a bit of fool's gold in there. But, you know, a couple kind of missed balls here or there, probably a bit of jitters early. But, I mean, you know, on kind of the short stuff. But you saw when he was kind of 
you know, he ripped a couple balls down the seams there. And, uh, you know, you can really see that arm talent on full display um, taking those deep shots. So, um, yeah. you know, it looked, looked as, as about as good as you could want from a first-year guy. Um, but, yeah, still I'm really severely hoping that James can come back, you know, terrific guy, fantastic leader, and, you know, really want to see him get his get his due shot here um, in sort of what is what is – you know, a really, really big season for Queens. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a, a different story for, for Guelph, Zach. Uh, oh. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if we've been avoiding uh, talking about those Griffins, but, uh, you know, uh. What, are your, what are your thoughts? And we all know you're, a, you're an alum, you know, a faithful supporter. What are, what are you thinking? What, what's going on here? We had, we thought these guys were going to be in the Yates Cup. Yeah, we I, uh, many of us did. Many of us did. Uh, man, I, 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 I just, I, I, I do not know. I, I have, you know, I, I don't have a sense of what's going on in that locker room. Whether the sort of whether there's a, a sort of a, a cultural issue as far as just the the cohesive cohesiveness of of that team. Uh, you know, obviously we've been talking for as well pretty much as long as i've been on doing this podcast but you and i've been talking about this two years straight of the carousel of quarterbacks they've been working through you and know let's, let's briefly mention those numbers uh for three different guelph quarterbacks 10 of 26 uh 128 yards one touchdown one pick uh split between three quarterbacks jake helfers two of 14 sean law two of five uh, and Tommy Yancha coming at the end with a six of seven, but I think it, that was really the last drive of the game, I, I believe. So. You know, if, and if you wanted to, you know, the 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 lone bright spot for Guelph this year has been the performance of Isaiah Smith as as a rookie runner, and as we've kind of seen Joey Zorn come down to earth a bit in some of his uh, uh, more recent performances. That will be a fun sort of conversation to watch with those two teams, uh, as far as sort of. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some other rookies who've had uh, stellar years, but just as a fun parallel, those two rookie backs as, you know, two guys who are going to be competing for that rookie of the year title. Um, And he finishes 18 carries, 105 on the ground, no touchdowns. But, you know, I... I was talking last week about how one of the things that's so impressive about Queens is the fact that uh, Keenan was sitting, like, top three yeah, I think he was sitting third in passing yards per game um, behind Duick and DeYoung. But the biggest difference is that Queens can run the ball at will if they want to. So far, Mack and Carlton have had to rely more on DeYoung and more on Duick to get their offenses going. So why do I say that? I say that in that, like, not to take credit away from Isaiah Smith, but, you know, 18, 105, it's, it's, it, that's great. You know, average of five and a half, pardon me, 5.8 per carry. But it's like, well that's like what else are you going to do other than hand the ball off to to Isaiah Smith at this point like how else are you going to even remotely try and generate some offense uh, you know like it's so it's 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 you know you know all all the credit to him but it's just, you, know. you know and something something we you know uh, that made its way through our little group chat is is sort of obviously you know the quarterback carousel but you know it could be, I think you know you could throw Trey Ford back there and uh, you know what? He's not going to match the 62 points that Queens put up. He's not going to match the 46 that Ottawa put up last week. Um, you know, Guelph has lost, you know, a lot of starters on defense. And, you know. But you know who it. else has, you know, sorry, but you know who else has the Golden Gales? 
You, like we want to talk about teams that have been banged up injury wise, and like I, I don't want to start like a competition. And once again, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. I don't want to do a thing of like, oh, we've been more injured. Like that's a weird conversation to have. But like, it's just come on. Like, and I'm not saying that towards you, but I'm sure there are people who you know in the sort of Guelph side of things being like, ah, oh, you know, if we got those injuries right, well, if Queens had their injuries right, like going through like. Still no Ethan Martin, you know. We obviously talked about James Keenan, uh, you know, the, the the breakout star from last week, Yan Longa. We see you limping off the field at one point. Like it's 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 just you know. Anyways, sorry. Hey, we all we all love our program so dearly, Zach. I, I <laughs> love to see the fire coming out of you. Then. <laughs> uh, I got nothing else on this one. Do you want to do you want to just like take a do you want to can you. Will you? Will, we'll say. We'll say. Will the, you sing the, for the, us? It's been a. It's been over a year since you've sung on the pod. Can you give us a few bars? Oh, a, a what? Sorry. Oh, a song. <laughs> no, I'm gonna save the same, but just know I. You know, I'm not doing my kicks here underneath the desk. But all uh, right, Kaya, baby, Kaya. That's all I'll say. Well, Queens, as we mentioned, uh, going on the bye, Guelph staying at home. Well, they'll be welcoming in the McMaster Marauders off of the bye. 6 p.m. game at Guelph on Friday. That'll be, uh, or pardon me. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. My apologies. Both these teams going on the bye. York, York going to Queens. Flip that. Guelph going on the bye. York going to Queens. Then Queens on their bye. And then the Mac Guelph game. Just, just disregard what I just said for the last 20 seconds. Let's go to our next game. Um, <laughs> We have the game that uh, that Nate was in attendance for. It was the Red Blue Bowl, the Battle of Toronto, the Argo Cup, and the UFT Blues at home from Varsity picked up the victory, thirty nine to seven. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this off pod. A similar start to many York games we've seen this year, where save actually for Week One against Waterloo. Interesting enough for a team that's very much just hasn't shown well no the Guelph game as well was was interesting so I shouldn't I don't I don't mean to be throwing uh shade towards towards, towards Waterloo, Waterloo but save for that game teams have had a tough go getting started against uh York and I've sort of postulated that maybe in the more sort of veteran teams like the Max and Carlton's of the world they just like take it for granted and just know like hey when the final when the final whistle blows we know that we're gonna win it'll be by a few scores who really cares when those scores come they will come and on the flip side thinking that a younger team like a Laurier like a a UFT might go into those games being like, no, 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 like it's this is you know this is everything. This is game day. It's let's go, let's go. It's you know full like, steam ahead. Like, let's let it not be for like you know as much as you want to say, oh, this is a rivalry, and how like sure there are a lot of rivalries, but no, this is like the the game that they get up for um, in Toronto. I mean, how many years you know these teams in the past haven't had a lot to play for a lot of the time, but this is really kind of. You know, to some senses, for a Super Bowl, for for a lot of you know, it's a lot. It's let's just say, it's a very memorable game that a lot of alumni like to hark back to and remember fondly, especially when they win, of course. So, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I think it's easy to kind of push it aside because the teams haven't necessarily been that great. But like, you know, 
we we love talking about Battle of Waterloo. We love talking about and the this Panda one, this game. This one has a trophy. They left a trophy at the end of the game. You know what I mean? I can't say that. I don't think they do that for the Waterloo game. You know, I know Panda has one, obviously. But. Yeah. No, but yeah, no, you're you're spot on, and like it's it, it like it, it was tempting for a few reasons that to to come to this game. I mean, despite being in London, there was no part of me that wanted to go watch the Western Waterloo game. I was like, oh, you know, go back to try. Like it's fun. Like I just and and I know you your, your connection with the the sort of Toronto football scene as well like you end up seeing a lot of guys oh my laundry's done um <laughs> uh, you end up seeing a lot of folks sort of from that community um coming out to that game because of a lot of those connections with the teams um but you know despite that common thread of uh, a slow start of a york opponent getting going nonetheless you know i don't i forget what the line was on this game it worked out pretty much as close, people close thought. that close that minus 26 and a half for the blues <laughs> started at minus 10 that's the biggest line move in any U sports lines, NFL lines, CFL line, whatever line you want. Lines don't move like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, once again, there's always there's always something to find on the York side of things um, as far as like you know good performances. Um, that sounded really just crappy of me to word it like that, but you know, a guy who has been playing really well from them all year, and a guy who's been in many of these matchups in Matt Dean, um, their star linebacker, and you know, their their shining spot on defense, finishing with seven and a half tackles, one interception, a breakup, one and a half TFLs. So, you know, good on Matt Dean. Obviously, you know, he knows what this game means as much as anyone. But you know, you were there live, you were kind of getting, you know, the, the the whole environment, the full sensory experience. Um you know, I don't know, I'll sort of give you the reins to sort of speak on whatever uh, perspective you want to give on that game. You know, I was there as an objective journalist. You know, I'm really sort of, I don't want to say documentary style, but I'm just sort of following the group, documenting what's going on. And this was the first game that, uh, you know, the sort of the, the group that I was hanging around did not leave the beer garden. So I think that tells you uh, guys were looking to enjoy this one, let's say. Um, and it was a bit testy early, you know, especially we talked about the lines and, you know, big, big score to cover for U of T. Only 11 nothing at halftime. York opens up the second half with a huge kick return down to U of T 20, ended up scoring. All of a sudden, it's 11 to 7. And it was again a bit, a little bit sweaty down there. And it wasn't the hottest day uh, in Toronto, but it's, you know, like clockwork, you know. Uh, to say I'm not happy saying that, but uh, it's kind of the same old thing uh, with York, you know, uh, turnovers, you know, you're always guessing on sort of the special team snaps, if they're going to fall in, in, you know, the kicker's hands and sort of the holder's hands and things like that. And, you know, things, you know, eventually fell apart and all of a sudden, you know, it was a four score game. Um, And, you know, UFT was lifting the cup at the end of it. You know what I mean? And I think, what can you take away from a game like this? I mean, I feel like I, every week we say the same thing about these York games. But if I'm looking at Toronto, I'm happy we were able to run the ball. I mean, Adam Williams went down. Yes, that really breaks my heart. You know, he's been having a, a good year. Um, you know, maybe the, the run game in general has been a bit on and off. Um, but sort of getting that back going is going to be a key for them. And it's nice to know you could do that. But you know, the passing game for U of T really, I mean, was not great today. And, you know, that was what we were highlighting early in the season, those first couple games. And now Windsor last week, York this week, we've kind of seen, you know, them fall off. And 
come back to earth a little bit. They still have all those weapons. They're still capable of a big play here or there, but it's really that consistency that they were operating with, you know, let's say in the Loria game, let's say in that first half of the Queens game, they just haven't been clicking on that same level in the passing game. And, you know, for a team with playoff potential, you're happy you're going to be able to be running the ball again. But, you know, if you want to make the playoffs and sort of, you know, stake your claim, that passing game is going to have to come back together uh, for you. So it's great. You lifted the trophy. You won by four touchdowns. You covered the spread. The alumni are singing your praises. But, you know, going forward, you got to, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about, you know, they'll be fine with Mac for that seventh playoff spot, I think, in uh you know, we'll have to sort of circle the wagons in the passing game if, if I'm going to believe that they're going to be able to uh, make it past them. Yeah, and and, and quickly because I want to stay on the UFT passing game. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned that York touchdown in the third quarter, set up by the the, the big return. You know, I, I, we got a lot of crap for not uh, highlighting enough because we certainly highlighted his performance um, against Carlton. But you know, just. I'll make it in as clear language as I can. Alfred Olay is a stud. He is spectacular return guy. And good, re- very good receiver too. All right, Bo- box checked. Box, box checked. Check. Done. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know, so you know, we're, we're going to take some time at the end of the pod doing a little um, uh, halfway through the season check in. And so halfway through the season of his, uh, you know, first campaign as a starting quarterback, sort of, where are you just in general on sort of the Kinsale Phillip experience? Uh, I don't think roller coaster is necessarily the most accurate, but I feel like it has gotten a bit less electric, let's say over the past weeks. And like anytime you have a, a situation where you have a new coordinator, Joe Moore, you have a new quarterback, Kinsale Phillip, teams are really going to know exactly how to prepare for you right away. Um, that's definitely something we saw in the Queens game. Now it only took Queens a half to kind of figure out how to deal with that offense. Um, you know, Carlton struggled with it. Uh, you know, a game that UFT put up 28 points, but they easily could have been in sort of the 40 point territory there. Um, and then, you know, we've seen Windsor and York the past couple of weeks and it's, you know, there's less stuff going on downfield. Um, you know, Kinsale's not having as easy a time sort of scrambling around and extending plays. You know, earlier in the season, you know, we saw him scramble for yards and there were very few sacks. He was able to get out of the pocket, get first downs. Not nearly as much of that over the past couple of weeks. Um, so definitely a couple more wrinkles probably are going to come for U of T in, in the next few weeks. Um, and I expect them to really, I especially like getting him going sort of uh, outside the pocket and things like that, I think has really been lacking over the past couple of weeks. So that's something I would expect to see more in the future. And, you know, I still think, you know, it's one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league, definitely in the top half. I'm sure there are plenty of teams that would be happy to have him and sort of the dynamism that you really want to see and that every coordinator would be more than happy to have having that dual threat. But you know what's a nice way to get a quarterback on track younger otherwise is a trip down to Waterloo. And, uh, you know, he'll be facing off well, against uh, another young quarterback or maybe another young two quarterbacks because in the last few weeks, and I'm going to use that to transition into 
our next game, we've seen Waterloo have to go to uh, Nick Orr in addition to Nolan Caban, as we saw them do against McMaster, and as we saw them have to do again on the other homecoming beatdown. Um, but this time, it was the team hosting their homecoming that uh, laid this, the proverbial smackdown. Uh, I'm, of course, speaking of what Western did to those uh, those poor, poor Waterloo Warriors. Why'd you have to do that to them, Greg Marshall? Why'd you have to do that to them? Final score in this game, Western 66, Waterloo 3. Now, you know, before, I like you blowing the Greg Marshall bit because, you know... The spread in this one going in closed at minus 30 and a half for Western. And, you know, I was a bit hesitant just because not because I didn't believe Western could put up 50 points. But, you know, the only thing that crossed my mind was Marshall's got his old buddy Bertoya on the other sidelines there. You know, is he going to give him a bit of a break? Is he going to feel bad? And not to say that he doesn't feel bad. Maybe he does. But, uh, you know, he couldn't slow down uh, what was going on for the Western offense. So I like... I, it, we, Nate and I don't normally like you know we'll talk a bit about the games before we start recording we don't like kind of we don't sketch out what we're going to talk about per se we kind of like the conversation kind of just flows but we kind of did have to be like what are, what are we going to talk about I don't know <laughs> I don't I, I, I didn't want to really we, like you this, know what you could you could look I could check you could look at the score for this game and that's all it's you, you could look you don't even need to look at the box score it's exactly what you thought it would be, you know, it's what well, you know. Western, they ran the ball, they passed the ball really well. Waterloo could not do either of those things. Western ran for four hundred and twenty-nine yards combined. They had three rushers alone go for over a hundred, and another go for seventy-seven. Like ten carries each. <laughs> Evan Hillock was fourteen of eighteen for two forty-three and two touchdowns. Like we're just, I'm just reading stats. It's literally, this is just, I'm just, this is just reading stats. I, the STM connection still alive and well. It's, it hasn't gone anywhere. St. Thomas More. The we need to have like a. Uh, I need to maybe I'll reach out to Evan. We need to figure out have like a, a just a you know like some places of work will have like X number of days since like a, a workplace injury. However many days since Evan Hillock's lost. Well, I guess. No, because he oh, would—he wouldn't have been. Well, anyways, all Evan Hillock does is win football games. All this Western Mustang Mustang team does is win football games. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, you know, even the the guys that you expect to be able to do some things for for Waterloo. I mean, Gordon Lamb, two receptions. James Basiliga, one reception. Yeah. I mean, not to like say that like this was the game that. For me, I knew Waterloo wasn't going to be a playoff team. That's not true. Um, but, yeah, I think this team's obviously in. You know what? Let's see what we got going forward territory here. Yeah. So. And and it's, you know, it's it's it's, it's tough because, I mean, you know, Caban's still with the start, finishes three for ten, two interceptions. Um, and then they go to Nick Orr, and, and really he doesn't produce all that much more. And, it, you know, it's 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 a, it's a tall task. Like I'm not I'm not taking a, I'm not, I don't say that to to you know take a shot at either of those young young quarterbacks by any means. It's it's tough because like it, it looked like and maybe this is a good thing to still get this sort of diversity at quarterback to see really who is going to be the guy. But it felt like you know however else the season plays out for Waterloo, 
Caban looked really sharp. I mean, you know, him and Basiliga were clicking, and obviously, however Caban develops, if he is the guy for Waterloo going forward, it probably won't be whenever this team's if this team has success with him, it's not it'll be whoever the next guy after Basiliga and Lamb, uh, you know, graduate out. Um, but now it seems like it's kind of you know you, me, and Tom had that conversation and uh, going into the season of being like, who's their quarterback? And we thought we solved that question, even if the results weren't going to always be W's. And we're kind of back to that conversation. And it's not necessarily a bad thing by any means. And maybe it still is Caban. Maybe Burt knows that, like, you know what? We just had to switch it up a little bit or whatever. Give or a shot. And you know but, what? You got to you gotta in, in a situation like that, you got to protect the kid from an absolutely disaster. At a certain point, there's no uh, more point in continuing what is a bad day and sort of even further in hurting, you know, someone's confidence like that. So, um, yeah, especially for a young guy, um, you know, and not to say like, I mean, it's, it, you know, happened to me on occasion. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not the worst move, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah. We'll see see yeah, you guys next week. Um. <laughs> yeah. Waterloo will be hosting. The UFT Blues and Western will be going to Mac. All right, let's go to the final game we have. Um, oh, you know, it, it, it was uh, this game just happens to be the last one we were talking about, but there was part of me that, you know, I, this this game was very interesting. I almost was, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about Western Waterloo for the reason of not knowing what to talk about. And this one, I'm just like, I don't. There's probably they didn't want to talk about because I'm like I don't I, I I just I don't know what to think of either of these teams now. I I thought that and then if by process of elimination if you haven't figured out by process of elimination it's the Carlton Ravens it's the Windsor Lancers final score the Ravens twenty four the Lancers seven. And, you know, we can talk about the travel issue, you know, or the travel aspect. Maybe it's not an issue per se with this being a one o'clock game and all that. Um, but, you know, to me, the story of this one um, and, and, you know, I, you know, I guess maybe numbers numbers don't lie, but they can perhaps be deceiving, was that like the story of these two teams thus far in the year was Carlton was a defense that everyone had been rushing on and Windsor was a team that had been rushing on a number of teams. And of course, now we can maybe look back at that Guelph game and be like, well, maybe that wasn't as impressive as we really thought it was. Um but I don't think that's really. I don't say that take away from Joey Zorn. So I just, but I just, I, I thought that component was was really gonna make this uh, not by no means a, a Windsor blowout. You know, going on the road to, to Ottawa. Some to some out people out yeah. there were real bullish on Windsor. I think going. I think yeah. I think the general consensus from the public, seeing what Windsor did to U of T last week, and knowing that U of T put the work on Carlton. Yeah, I think there were some people that were. You know, some people might have had the idea that this might have been, you know, a two score game for Windsor even. Um, but like yeah. for me, for me, like what was sort of the difference last week was was Danny Skelton being able to throw the ball, um, you know, ended up getting hurt, unfortunately. But even before that, I mean, it wasn't nearly as 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 compelling from the Windsor passing game before he went down. After he went down, you know, Josh Jim comes in and it's it's really not the numbers aren't pretty, let's say. Um the rushing numbers are decent for Windsor, but like this is like my concern with this team in general. You can run the ball, you can play some good defense. I mean, the defense only let up what was it, 17 points because Carlton had the pick six. 
pretty good performance in general, right? But it's this, you know, Windsor passing game that's like, what, like, if you can't, if you, if I, if I can't convert a second and medium every now and then, that, that I'm, the, I cannot move the ball in, in Canadian rules football. You just can't do it unless you're Western and you can just run the ball for 10 yards every time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, careful to throw the word fool's goal with Windsor. Um, but, you know, as we sort of get away from home, I know they had the big win against Guelph, but now look at Guelph. And, you know, I think Windsor's got a great schedule coming up, which we'll get to. But that quarterback question, that passing game question is going to determine what happens for the rest of the season, I think, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, for for Carlton, um, you know, I was highlighting the the run um, discrepancy in, in how well Windsor had been running and how uh, ineffective Carlton's rushing defense had been. I mean, Joey Zorn still finishes with 104. They fed to him 25 times. So, I mean, obviously, you know, he's that workhorse for them. But, you know, part of this. And, and we we're talking about maybe maybe Carlton their their whole thing their whole shtick for this year is that like you know what like we might not be great at any one thing but we're pretty good at a lot of things and that's kind of how in the in the aggregate we'll beat you. But the one area I still just like I still feel like they just should be good and maybe because I, I, I'm I'm not you know I'm I guess I'm just locked in as a, as a Josh Ferguson stand to 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 the day I die is how he just you know their their top runner uh, Matthew uh, Moore and Moran I'm not too sure on the pronunciation seventy two yards and they're sitting Ferguson thirteen carries and only getting nine yards out of it man I mean. I just it's 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 tough, you know, and and it's it's reasons like that that frustrate me watching this team, you know. Um Tom made a good point talking about Mac uh, last week and how when they kind of showed that performance that they did in, in their last outing, uh, albeit against Waterloo, that it's like, okay, so so you so you 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 perhaps are, you know, capable of doing the things that a lot of people think you you are. Well, now you have to do that consistently. And and just to the Ferguson point, that week one game against Mac, he was doing his thing, and Mac's been a defense for all their misgivings through the year and their inability to protect the QB at times. Their defense has been pretty solid, and so I just I, I still don't know what to make of this run game for them. Um, obviously, though, getting Kasim Ferdinand back um, at receiver is huge, and I I believe uh, Denny was Denny playing this one too, or Denny might oh yeah, and Denny was back as well. Uh, you know, don't know what kept them both out uh, in their their last outing, uh, but obviously two huge factors for them in that once again kind of full picture of you know not only does Kasim do his thing on offense and Denny on D, but then their contributions on special teams. So it's just like you know, and and and, and this will segue nicely when we wrap this up into kind of briefly doing this sort of uh, look through the rest of the schedule. But these are two teams that it, it's it's very difficult to make heads or tails of. No, absolutely, and I think. You know, I said the piece on Windsor, but Carlton, I'm, I don't want to say completely lost, but even in the games they win, like, it's just like, yeah, they played some good football. They didn't turn the ball over. They capitalized on the other turnovers. You know, I don't want to say it's, they need a bit of help, but if I, no one's doing them any favors, then who knows? You know what I mean? They could throw some screens and run the ball sometimes and make, make some good passes uh, intermediately. But 
I'm not terribly scared of them at all. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I think they're, they're the perfect, you know, fifth or sixth seed that, you know, they're definitely, I'm we'll pick them against the Waterloo or, uh, you know, a York or even a Guelph at this point, but anyone kind of above them or, you know, once we get in that Laurier auto, you know, I don't, you, you feel nearly as strong. So, and, and you know, that once again, I think raises this question then. So in thinking about some of those teams you mentioned of then like, so then where does Windsor fit into this whole thing? Or are these two teams both kind of in limbo? And I don't necessarily want you to answer that right now, because I, I do say we put a wrap unless you did have any other thoughts generally on this game. Um, but let's, yeah. So I say, let's put a wrap on that one. As we already mentioned, Carlton um, is getting ready for Panda, 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 Panda next week. And for Windsor, they have the night affair against Laurier. No, you know, it's a home. great question, Zach, because mm. you, Use that reference from that old song by a one-hit wonder named Designer. I wonder how many kids today are familiar with that song. That's probably like a song from when they were like in middle school or something like that. You know what I mean? I wonder. I wonder if they would get that reference. But anyways, I I I, I made me feel probably, a bit old. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably fool a player to and being like, do you know that this, the panda song was written for the the actual like panda game? Like that was his, uh, you know. But anyhow, um, yeah, no, I uh, yeah, uh, my my beard is graying before me with you making that comment. So let's now get into this exercise of you know having crossed the midway point at this point in the season. All the teams have played at least four, some of them five games. And, uh, you know, this season has been, you know, a blazing hot start with, you know, we talked about, you know, Western clearly a cut above. How big a cut above that second team in the Golden Gales? You know, really excited if we get that matchup. And then, you know, York kind of at the bottom, you know, maybe Waterloo not that far ahead of them. Um, but that that middle sort of territory looked looked really, really frisky. Um, recent weeks, we've now seen a few teams perhaps solidify themselves, a few teams still kind of with these question marks. So, uh, Nate, because this was sort of your proposed idea of kind of going through the rest of the schedule, I'll hand it over to you as far as sort of what projections, what thoughts you had looking at sort of based on what we've learned so far this year, where these teams stack up right now, literally in the standings, how you see the rest of, the rest of this year shaking out. Well, I think a good, you know, exercise is, is, you know, we'll go through each team one by one. I think some teams will be a lot more brief than others, let's say, um, especially, you know, starting at the top and moving down the list. I think once you get into that middle of the pack scenario, there's going to be some more juicy conversations. But at the top, uh, I think we we both got Western 8-0 here. Um, games against Mac, Toronto, Windsor, and at Ottawa remaining at Ottawa, it's a little interesting to me, um, but I definitely absolutely not picking against them in that one. Um, but you know what? They're rolling. Uh, you know, someone said to me, you know, earlier today was this is great and we've got all these close games. But at the end of the day, is this really just a competition for second place? And that's something that's not going to get answered till the end of the season. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that when the day comes in the playoffs that Western, you know, maybe they get a little bad weather day. Maybe it's snowing in London. They get some bad turnover luck or something. There's got to be something in the cards. You know, they haven't won it every year, Zach. So there's always, always something going on. 
Oh, I'm firmly aware they haven't won it everywhere, my friend. Trust me, I have not <laughs> forgot that. It's a, the, your point about the, the 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 fight for second place. It's almost like Westerns almost turned OUA football into like F1, where it's just like <laughs> you know what, just you know, kind of just stay in your lane. Like don't don't you know don't don't always shoot for the stars. That's the lesson from F1. It's becoming the lesson of of the OUA. It's like you know what, kids. You can't you can't become everything, but you know just know know your limit, play within it. But sorry, let's move on to I guess the next team would be the Golden Gales to look at, right? Absolutely, and you know, obviously we mentioned it's going to be York for them. Um, it's going to be home to Mac, which I Interesting. think we're, we're all very interested to see like how Mac's going to look after the bye. But we'll get to them later. I would say as of right now, we probably both predict a Queens win there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and lastly, kind of at Laurier, um, you know, Queens in the past doesn't have a great history there um, going back to my time and beyond that. So something just to keep an eye on, especially, you know, if we don't get a James Keenan back or something like that could be a close game. But, uh, you know, as of right now, I'm, I would say I'm predicting in the role, Zach, you're in the same camp, seven and one for the Gales. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm I'm looking at uh, for them, um, you I know, because that's a yeah. Rican showed enough. I think for both of us that good enough, that sort of a Mac or something like that, that isn't too scary or even a Laurier. There's just so much other good things on that team. Right. Yeah. And then like, that could be a situation going into Laurier where like, I, I would say Laurier's would I would, I would think and not to get too ahead of ourselves that they would have secured the playoff. Like, are they really going to want to fight tooth and nail to, to get a home playoff maybe in the first round? Cause that could be in the cards and as Queens, depending on, you know, they, we have talked about them being banged up. Do they want to rest a few guys? If they, they, they secured that second have, piece, they have the head to head against Ottawa who we think will be behind them already. So, yeah. We'll see. So then let's go. To, so, so then I guess, yeah. So I, you know, I'd say seven and one that Laurie game with sort of some extraneous factors, depending on how the coaches choose to play it. But of course, second place doesn't get you that buy anymore. So it's one thing in past where it's like, you know, we'll rest a little bit, go into the buy, whatever. But like, there's an argument that maybe you want to be firing on all cylinders to end the season, even as the second place team. But we'll see how that works out overall. Yeah. Seven, one, especially is if unfortunately you're, you're grooming a young quarterback there. So a hundred percent. Um, so uh, I guess Gigi's would be up next. So, I mean, looking at them, you, we know they have Western to end the season. We both have an L there, but as far as their other two games, York is one of them. And the other is the notorious Panda game, Zach. You know, we talked a bit about how maybe after this Carlton week, we're not a bit sure if we would, you know, maybe before this, we all would have been on board with an Ottawa dub, but there may be some variety in the picks this week, you'd say. Well, I mean, we we do at least have a Ravens alum picking in our <laughs> with our picks, so I'm gonna go ahead and spoil alert. Tell you that uh, I'm gonna assume that that Mr. Brugling is gonna probably be picking his Ravens. But on the whole, you know, we you brought up a great point, just like. It, it, on the on the trust factor, like Ottawa's just been the better has been the better team, obviously, and just when the, the more consistent all factors. So I, I would they, I would I, they've yeah, shown I, the nuts in the close games on a couple occasions. So I, I'm stay. I think you know we both have them winning Carlton, winning York, and then yeah. and all at Western to finish the season. Yeah. So six and two for the GGs is yeah what we both have there. Moving now it on, gets a little spicy. Yes, absolutely. So after the third spot, you know, we have four playoff spots remaining. 
Um, we're going to start with Laurier because that's where I have them in the fourth spot. Um, a real interesting affair coming this week against Windsor at Windsor under the lights. We saw what Windsor did to U of T under the lights and they hung pretty close with Laurier U of T did. So what's going to happen when Laurier rolls into town? I have them winning. I'm very confident in Laurier um, Windsor. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't think they'll be able to pass on Laurier like they did Toronto or anything like that. Um, especially when we don't know what's going on with Danny Skelton, but there's always a chance to get a little lost in the sauce out there in Western Ontario, Zach. In that Big Mac sauce. <laughs> Absolutely. But I have them taking the win there. Are you on board with that? Ah, uh, I don't know. It's too, it's, it's far, it's too far. This is the one that, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's, ugh. I don't know. I don't know. This is as close to a pick for me right now. From where it's we're one sitting. of those where I will feel so confident picking Laurier. And the second that I checked the score after the first quarter, I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. How didn't I know better than to do this again? Yeah. Either, either way, this, you know, this is, I think this is probably the game that, you know, has us maybe feeling slightly different on the, the total outcome. But then we got that. Then we got Battle of Waterloo. I think we've kind of seen where, you know, Waterloo's shown uh, a bit of where they're at right now. Um, think it's fair to say laurier is uh, is a cut above them at this point but also you know there's also that like you know as we talked about with panda like battle of waterloo like would it be the craziest thing if, if somehow like nolan caban like throws for like and uh, nate makes a face indicating it would be the craziest thing but, there's, yeah. no, there's no that that guy that wears number five he's not there anymore you remember that part <laughs> yeah he was pretty yeah uh, you know what yeah he was he was pretty good yeah and yes okay well okay so we were pretty in lockstep with laurier then Laurie hosting Guelph in a few weeks' time. Um, <laughs> Barring miraculous uh, turnarounds on both sides of the ball for Guelph, yeah. I think I feel good about Laurier at home. You know, Guelph not likely in a playoff scenario, I don't think. Um, and then finally, like we mentioned already, sort of being home to Queens that last week of the year. Something interesting, you know, how close they are to Queens – Hard to say, um, but I think, you know, right now, especially coming off sort of the Guelph win, uh, Queen's absolutely rolling right now. So, yeah. So you're, you're you're like, so you're, you're very uh, confident as of where we stand right now that it, it will net to a five and three. I'm, I, I'm just, like I said, this, I'll have to just think more on this matchup this week. This is the one where it's the only spot where I'm like, uh, everything else I completely agree but I just I just don't know just yet I don't know what's going to change in the course of the next few days before I officially send in my pick to be able to you know where I'm going to sit on this one uh, but that's the one where I'm just not as confident to be able to say like yeah it's five and three starting with the win at Windsor maybe by the time we put out our picks I'll be right there with you though speaking of Windsor speaking of Windsor they're next on the list I have them at four and four Zach's a little you know, on the fence, maybe they're five and three for him. Wouldn't that be a season for the Lancers? But as we already mentioned, home to Laurier next week, followed by York, which is a chalk that up in the win column, I think. Followed by mm-hmm. Western, chalk that up as an L <laughs> in the L mm-hmm. column, I think. And will then- Phil Grohovic st- score a touchdown? <laughs> will he, you know, will this be back to back years? The, the 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 mighty man out of the West Coast uh, scoring a touchdown as an offensive lineman. But and uh, sorry, something to keep yeah keep in mind. But I think another sort of I you know 
Well, I feel I feel confident saying Windsor will, would beat Waterloo at home to end the year. Um, again, I'm picking Windsor to lose against Loria, so that would be you know a four and four net record for for them on my end. You know. I'm in I'm in no man's land with those two teams right now, right? It all comes down to we have those two teams playing this week. I just I have a you know, I, I'm still thinking about week five right now. Nate's got me in week six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine mode going right now. But that's really like I you know, that's I mean, it's this this that's why that matchup and me and Tom will will, will dive into it later on in, in the week is just is so, so interesting because hopefully it'll, you know, give us some indication of, of where, you know, these two teams stand even though I, I am with you on the whole i feel like laurier i had a bit more confidence in them or at least the, the the direction of course the danny skelton question being the biggest thing right now yeah and i think you know even windsor being four and four i mean like hard to be unhappy with that i mean a pretty favorable schedule looking back i mean before the season that golf game looked a lot tougher than it ended up being um looking at it at this point in the season um but four wins coming against you know waterloo Toronto, York, and uh, Guelph sort of advancing the kind of, you know, the end of that, you know, lower half of the league is, I think, you know, great movement for the program, something to be very happy about. Uh, speaking of another team in the middle, Carlton's next. Um, I have them ending up at four and four here. Obviously, the big question is next week in the Panda game. Um, they then have Waterloo at home. Guelph on the road to end the season. Um, I have a two and one performance for them there. You know, maybe, you know, we see some things from Guelph. That game at the end of the year could be very interesting just because, you know, it ends up being on the road and it gets colder and maybe some funky things can happen there. But I feel good about saying, you know, Carlton ends up at a four and four there. Um, but sorry, just to, so you're saying they finish up two and one, right? Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. So then you have them at five and three. Is that five and three? That's five and three. Yeah, that's where I was. Okay, that's where I was confused a bit because I thought you had put them at four and four. So I was curious to see which of those games uh, they were going that you thought they were going to lose out of say you know I, I think we're ultimately both you know leaning. They have three the wins GGs. right now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I thought you were going to say that they were going to lose to one of Waterloo and Guelph. I'm thinking that as of right now. Mm, Okay. Or or that they would lose to one of those games, right? I'm thinking they'll probably pick up both those dubs right now. Well, Guelph on the road's a bit more interesting. So Carlton at five and three. Then uh, we'll have to edit that part out. Otherwise, I think we may see a drop in Queens admissions this fall, um, <laughs> <laughs> or at least there might have to be a change in who's teaching the stats class there. Uh, <laughs> clearly not good enough. Uh, but anyways, Carlton at five and three behind Laurier. I kind of hate giving that to them because I really like, I don't want to say I don't like this team, but I do not feel like nearly as confident in them as I would Laurier, for example, at the same record. So it's amazing. This is two weeks in a row. One of us having to be like, look, I'm not saying I don't like Carlton. I have nothing against them. <laughs> Somehow this keeps coming up. I, but anyways, just so iffy, man, like I just, I can't get over it. Anyways, yeah. after Carlton, you know, I think it's kind of fair to talk about these teams together, Zach in Toronto and Mac. Do you think that's mm. fair? Because it feels to some extent that their fates may be intertwined. And and you know what? When when we, going back a few weeks after the 
you know, Mac loses to Ottawa coming off of the, 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 the forfeit of the York game and everything like that. And we kind of quickly like whipped through their schedule, uh, culminating in, in me calling Mac's proverbial goose cooked, which I'm sure the McMaster community loved hearing. Um, it, I do remember we and I think it might have been you highlighting that like Toronto Mac at last week of the season might very well be a form of a win and you're in type situation or at least, you know, they could have serious playoff implications. Absolutely. So let's set it up. So let's start with Toronto. Um, I have them be I think we both have them beating Waterloo. Um, yeah. A loss to Western um, and then that leads them to a position where they're three and four going into the final game against Mac. So keep that in mind, Toronto three and four Mac. I have at the two and five spot going into that game. So if my math's correct, uh, I have them losing against Western. And then you have them then winning at Guelph. Would be it? Yeah. Winning at Guelph, a loss at Queens, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel confident in that actually. And then finally, that ends up with them being two and five going into the Toronto game at the end of the year. So Mac essentially at two and five, Toronto at three and four. So if Mac was able to steal a win there and get Mac that- having to sorry, Mac, is this this is Nate Hobbs? Nate, just any clarification? Nate Hobbs saying that that Mac has to steal a win against UFT <laughs> in Ron Joyce. Is that what you're well, saying? I'm I'm saying in the fact that they they would be behind Toronto and kind of steal uh-huh. the spot above. Okay, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'm not going okay. that bold. I'm not going <laughs> that bold. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, having a head to head will be key. But you know, then we get in the situation of are there going to be common opponents involved? And I haven't got that far ahead of it, but safe to say there is a decent chance that I might be at Ron Joyce for that one. If the scenario we have outlined here comes to fruition, mm, yeah, no, I similarly with Windsor and Laurier, this is kind of where we're at a bit of a sticking point. You know, I, I don't want to put too much faith in one game for Mac, uh, especially that game being against Waterloo. Um, but yeah, from where we sit right now, I like Mac at home against UFT. Absolutely, now, now, absolutely. That Waterloo game coming off a of bye, have they been able to work some things out? That's because whenever you have a program like Mac and the coaching staff that's been there and the track record, it's it's you always have in the back of your head that when something changes, it takes a while to adjust. So, you know what? Yeah, gun to my head right now, I'll say UFT. Maybe there's a hint of a little bias sprinkled in there, but that's what I want to see first and foremost. So I'm happy saying that. Zach, I'm pulling the proverbial gun at your head. Who you got right now? Mac or U of T finishing in that seventh spot? Who's it going to be? Mac, Mac. No, yeah, yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, no, no. Yeah, it's not, yeah, no, totally. Um, you know, and what would be really interesting and and apologies to the remaining teams that we've only named in passing, picking up losses against some of these teams, but I don't think we need to really cover their remaining schedules as much. But what would be really interesting about how this setup would break down, and once again, not knowing exactly how that tie break would work with UFT and Mac if it is both teams ending up at three and five, is we could get an Ottawa Mac rematch. Of course, this time it would be in Ottawa, and that was a really exciting game. Though Mac, you know, came off to the slow start, one of the more intriguing finishes. Um, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Queens Mac. Um, but 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 
in the- well, no, in theory, if if Mac beats Toronto, both end up three and five, and then if that then has because of Mac with the tie break, Mac being a spot ahead. We're over an hour into this podcast. This might be where we have to just like throw all this to bed right now. We'll get into it when we get to the end of the season. Let's, Last let's, uh, and let's let it be noted. Everyone saw the predictions graphic at the beginning of the season. And, you know, that two and six Ottawa team, uh, uh, they, they don't quite look two and six. You know, that 0 and 8 Toronto team's not quite 0 and 8. Uh, you know, that Guelph team who, was what six and two, seven and one? Uh, they might have flipped that completely. Right. Yeah, they. Yeah, where did we have that one? I'm trying to find it right now, but yeah, that there's a couple of these teams that may have in completely flipped the script on us. So, um, it's a fun game to play. You know, everyone's passionate. You know, I love that, but we're just we're. We're just having fun on a little uh, a little Sunday afternoon between the one o'clock and four o'clock window. So, uh... <laughs> so we'll wrap it up with that. Um, yeah, this will be this week. We'll hopefully solve some of the questions that we highlighted are just you know causing us headaches after headaches and by the time all the games are done there will only be more headaches to be had because like all years in the OUA there are gonna be annoying tiebreakers and we'll have to read through that document again of how common opponents and then all those things work out and I'm not gonna understand a word of it and then Nate apparently failed statistics so I don't know what we're gonna have to do with this one we'll have to get an expert I don't know what Tom majored in but let's hope that the, his addition will be more than just what he's been contributing on the podcast but I'll be with Tom on Friday to set up week six. I can't believe we're going into week six already. So I'll talk to you then at the 55.